Welcome to Dudes Being Dudes. I'm Josh. I'm Forrest. And this is the first recording session. Well, it, it is the first official recording session. Can we talk about Yeehaw? We can talk about Yeehaw as much as you want, sir. You have an hour of my time. Let's, fucking let's, love Yeehaw. let's get into it. Let's <laughs> jump let's right into it. Junction. Yeah, so we're, so we're three hours apart from each other. And the exact middle point between you and I is Yeehaw Junction, mm-hmm. which if you don't know what that is, meaning you're not from Florida, if you're listening, it is <laughs> the most beautifully sad place I've ever been to. <laughs> well, it's a, it's, a, it's a small piece of, of American heartland history that has fallen to the wayside. <laughs> I think my favorite thing, it's so, if you don't know what it is, it's just the, this middle of nowhere town in Florida, and inside of it is this hotel restaurant bar and mechanics stop motel motel Motel. yeah let's be nice yeah and in it is yeehaw junction they close sadly but i just love the idea of being able to stay somewhere drink at the same place eat dinner and get my car fixed without having to leave the same area no wifi though oh yeah there's no wi-fi because they were built in 1930 of course. Colloquial term for the area is whiffy. Whiffy. You know that. I know that. He, she, we knows that. Um, we talked earlier. Uh, you didn't know what happened to Jeremy Renner's app. I did not. Please oh, enlighten God. me about so, dude possibly becoming fella Jeremy Renner. The dude. Well, yeah, we'll do this and then we'll describe the dude hierarchy. So Jeremy Renner, he's Hawkeye, if you don't know the name, um, is a crazy person. He makes like weird pop rock music that's terrible, and the best he tries. Well, he's a good dad. Maybe you can't be that bad a dude if you, well, as far as we can tell, haven't fallen in the public eye as a parent. Well, his his, didn't his wife come out and say like he threatened to kill me? I don't know if I believe that. Allegedly, 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 of course. Allegedly. Um, (laughs) Allegedly. (laughs) Um, No, so. Jeremy Renner made an app, and it basically looks like Instagram, but your main focus is to look at Jeremy Renner's posts and the things that he talks about. Mm. And you don't like posts, you send bits, and you have to buy star bits. Listen, I I see nothing wrong with this. (laughs) (laughs) Because as long as he was honest about what it was before people started spending money on it, then fine. Well, here's where it gets weird, is... um, so Danny Gonzalez did a video about it with Drew Gooden, and they would buy he he did oh my god Danny Gonzalez was like I'll buy like three dollars worth of bits, and so it's like you bought three thousand bits, but then he goes to check his account and it's like you have thirty thousand, and he was charged for more than he thought he bought. He was charged for the equivalent of thirty thousand bits, but it's not what he clicked, and it gets worse because people were making fake Jeremy Renner accounts with the same pictures that Jeremy Renner was uploading. And there's no way to verify who was Jeremy and who wasn't. So they were getting free bits. So Renner just closed the app down. Yeah. Um, here's how I look at that. Um, without getting too far into the conspiracy pudding, uh, we'll save that for Thanksgiving Day. Um, <laughs> there's, uh, You know that conversations happen with families, and especially uh, nowadays uh, with the access to the internet we currently have. Um, but the ignorance that still goes along with that. But anyway, um, so I think my suspicion is that Jeremy, being of an older generation, 
and a, uh, a more manipulated crowd as a Hollywoodite, um, made an app to benefit himself. Maybe not in such a such a way as it came out, but to benefit himself for like some some promotion stuff. Right. And it spiraled horribly, horribly out of control <laughs> due to him being a boomer. I, well, I just love like okay, so there's no way Jeremy Renner made the app. Of course, he he had a team. And oh yeah, so I would I would murder to be a fly on the wall when like my if i was a code if i was like a code developer my boss came to me and was like hey we're making an app it's one-sided social media and uh it's for Jeremy Jeremy Renner. Renner. <laughs> yeah i'd be like where do i sign up dude <laughs> i want one for like gary Busey. i would pay for oh. a gary Busey jerry Renner yeah. app. or mm, no we know who we would want to do who danny danny devito <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> the dude of dudes. People are like, the big Lebowski is the dude. No, Danny. It's Danny DeDudo. So you wanna be a hero, kid? Well, whoop-dee-doo. Um, um, we should describe the dude hierarchy before we get... We should. In. So we'll start bottom up on the cast. If you're a fella... Bottom of the rung. Bottom the of the barrel. You're R. Kelly today. Ooh... Um, yeah, but I feel like we should elaborate on that because people would be like, I, I'm a pedophile, I pee on people, I do somewhat okay rap. <laughs> hip-hop, hip-hop R&B. Um, so, if you're a fella, you're irredeemable in the dude eye. Oh, Jesus, fuck, Jesus Christ. You find a snake? A mouse just crawled on my leg and ran away. Um, it's just a mouse. Yeah, but you don't expect it. For context, I'm in my parents' basement right now. What a dude. <laughs> yeah. Fearless slayer, provider for the family. Good job. <laughs> no, I'm for visiting con- For context, Josh is, is in his parents' basement recording this with me while I'm sitting across from drinking beer from a stein an hour before I have to go and get my three-year-old from work. We are adulting. We're not dudes, as you'll soon find out. Um, that scared the <laughs> barely, shit out of me. We're barely hanging on to our dudeage. I'm, I'm leaving. I'm gonna leave that in. That might put in some dramatic music. <laughs> <Ta-da>! <laughs> yeah. Well, like it fell off my leg and looked at me, and then like it obviously turned because it's a mouse, so it left. But uh, now I'm like on high alert. Um, no, okay. So if you're a fella, you're irredeemable in the public eye. You've done something. Noisy. I guess just terrible, yeah. Something that makes you go like, "Oh, come on, fella." And we don't we don't just mean like something that upsets a few a few people on social media. That's pretty easy to do. What we're talking about is like you've done something that you know you should be ashamed of. That your mama would look at you different if you told her that you did it. You 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 ran your car through the front of a Walmart. That's a fella. Um. Okay, so what's next, fella? Then what, guy? Yeah, guy. A guy's trying. <laughs> um, a guy, how, how, how would you describe it? A guy, how I would describe a guy? Yeah. yeah. So how I would describe a guy. A guy, clearly on the hierarchy, on the totem pole, is just a little bit higher than a fella. But not much. So a guy is, is the dude who's, who um, goes to a party with you. And, you know, there's some girls there. Who have been having drinks. Now, I know you think you know where this is going, but no, that's the fella. <laughs> the guy is a gentleman about it. And he still 
he'll hang out with them. He'll give them drinks. He'll, he won't do anything untoward. And he will let them go in the evening. The minute they have gone, though, he will proceed to tell you how much he could have gotten away with with them. Like That's fantasies. a guy. Yeah. A guy hang. What, what did we say? We were talking about this the first time. A guy hangs out at 7-Eleven. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. Yeah. Not like Jay and Silent Bob, though. Like, that. those guys are fellas. Yeah. They, they, they were guys turned fellas. <laughs> we're going to have to come up with new pronouns. Everyone's going to be very confused on our social, ha- social handles. It, well, we're basically just doing that John Mulaney bit where it's like, um, where he talks about the Daily Sun and the hierarchy of um, Oh, titles. Angel. Oh, Angel <laughs> yeah. is a tot who didn't get, a, a tot yeah. who didn't make it. Um, so guy, so it's fella, and then guy. Is it man? I think we just went straight into dude from there. Yeah. Well, man I, is the I, ultimate hierarchy. That's yeah, that's what it is. When you're a yeah. man, it's kind of like when you, so skipping dude, because dude is kind of like where most normal, decent fellas, uh, I shouldn't say fellas, where normal, <laughs> decent men survive, but a man in the context that we're using for the totem pole is someone who's either kind of like in the military service when you get a purple heart or a medal of honor, you've probably died doing something. <laughs> you're a man um or if you if you haven't died yet you're you're regularly doing things beneficial to others around you keanu reeves is a man Dan devito is. devito Dan, man yeah um he directed matilda from that on man absolute yeah. man um he saved always sunny in philadelphia if he wouldn't have been casted they would have canceled the show Probably i believe like yeah, well, because they did season one. Trash man. <laughs> I eat garbage and I get stronger. <laughs> they they did season one and Fox was like, or not Fox, FX was like, you need a you need a high name celebrity. Your show's not marketable. And that's when they found Danny DeVito. Danny came in singing the Hercules song. I like it. <laughs> he came in like, what's up? Been around around man, the block before with blockheads just like you. <laughs> Each uh, and every one a disappointment. <laughs> I'm glad we described the hierarchy now, because from here on out, if we bring someone up, I'm going to immediately describe them as a fella, a dude, or this a This episode should be called the, the dude totem pole. The dude cast system? Yeah. Cast system? <laughs> no, totem pole. <laughs> Not cast system. That leads to bad things. <laughs> See, dudes can pet dogs, but fellas can't. <laughs> because the dogs would probably bite them. <laughs> dogs sense evil, man. Um. Next topic. I've got them written down. Um, I'm glad that we... I hope we always stay disorganized. It's going to keep us honest. Next theme. Tough. <laughs> um, good lord. Uh, we made it. We've made so... Here it is. Um, a discussion about male interpersonal relationships in modern day. Yep. Um, so basically, what's it like to be a dude being a dude with other dudes? Yep. In a completely yeah. heterosexual way. Not saying others are not appreciated here. I will say, I think, I think it's hard for men to have like an actual like emotionally healthy, caring relationship with other guys. Yeah. Because because you because like you because like I don't know about you, but I grew up and it was like, bro, you're not talking to the ladies right now. Like, what do you? Yeah. Doing? Or they'd be like, um, oh, we're drinking buddies, or we're fighting buddies, and there was like the yeah. code, the guy code, but. At the end of the day, it's like that's that does a little bit, yeah. But 
And people who try to say, oh, well, you're not manly if you need an emotional connection with another man. Bull, man, bull. Um, there's a study, and I'll find it, and I'll, I'll put it in the description. It was talking about, like, why women, why widows live longer than widowers. And it's because they have the emotional connection to their female friends. Mm. Uh, when I was in middle and high school, probably till about, like, 15, I was like, can't text dudes unless I'm making plans. Kind of a conversation with a guy. Well, can't do that. Like, yeah, and it's it's definitely it's spread out. Um, and I will say that our oh, we live in a society, but our society <laughs> has really done it to us. Um, um, we are in a position right now where we are starting to see what the the damage that has been done, especially in, I would say probably the '80s and '90s to a lot of guys who are coming into their own now, and it's kind of bled into the millennials a little bit. I hope we can save the Zoomers from it, but a lot of men were brought up in a very unhealthy male role model environment. I think we can agree on that. And we we just kind of got this feeling that you either needed to be a player, you know, some sort of sports god, a warrior, but you had to show your feelings. But if you showed your feelings, you recalled something that was untoward or, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. trying to, to have people that you had that close, you know, kind of band of brothers mentality relationship with and, and talk about things. And I don't mean just like go and find a homie. No, I mean like people that were this, similar to you. Um, was really frowned upon and kind of looked down upon if you had it. And it, it brought out some really nasty things. I remember I had one friend like that um, for a very short period of time. And we got we got called some very inappropriate things just for having that kind of relationship. Yeah, but in, in actuality, you're a lot happier if you surround yourself with friends you're actually honest with, I will say. Um, we're not. I know we're not saying anything like brand new, but... There are people out there that are like, I, I talk to my wife, and that's it. And it's like, well, you know, maybe give her a break from all your problems. <laughs> yeah, you're probably going to live to like 60 with that kind of mentality because you're going to put all that pent-up feeling and aggression and pain inside because there's some things you just can't say to your wife. Yeah. And then one day, you're going to die too soon, <laughs> and she's going to have to live without you. Good job. Yeah, uh, there's nothing wrong with actually being friends with your guy friends i hate that you have to say that but we do we do live in a society <laughs> we do live in a society um, um but i will say like when it comes to like the idea of masculinity i've been trying to because that's something i still deal with where it's like because uh, you know we're both writers and stuff like that so it's like self-expression and everything it's um when it was revered as manly you could only do it in certain ways you know um and so I've, I've tried to, like, redefine what I, aspects of myself that I see masculine. Well, in we've a, had in a some very mixed, mixed wiring in the past few years, especially thanks to the 2000s. I mean, you had the boy band era. Yep. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll bust out some sync in the shower, that's for sure. But at the same time, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult topic to talk about in, in, in a... In a in a in a nice way. way. I, well, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, everybody loves Johnny Cash. If you don't, you're wrong. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So, <laughs> viewers, come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's my point. Is Johnny Cash is the same as the people who were writing the NSYNC songs? I would say they were talking about things they wanted to talk about and trying to express themselves. There's no difference. But Justin Timberlake had to go up against this image where he was seen as like more feminine or weaker 
because of the things he was talking about. And I think that's singing you know. about love and romance and wooing women back in the day. I mean, that's kind of how it was done. Like, especially in the Renaissance, like you had to woo a woman. You didn't just go and, you know, slaughter a bull in front of her and she would sleep with you. No, you had to write poetry. You had to sing songs. You had to be gentle. You, you never showed brutality and, and, you know, your monstrous side in front of your female. You showed that when it was necessary, like in terms of protecting them and stuff like that. But you didn't be like, oh, I'm so awesome at the lifting these weights and being manly and tough and shooting these guns and killing these animals and slaughtering anyone who disagrees with me. No, you, you kept it to yourself until you didn't have to anymore. Yeah, and that's also, but that's, that's a dangerous way of looking at it too. Um, if you've seen, what's that show with Jim Carrey where he's basically Mr. Rogers? Every Jim Carrey. No, he's doing it. It's a Truman show. <laughs> I think it's me, myself, and Irene. No, um, I can't remember the name right now, but he did a show where he was playing like a Mr. Rogers type figure, and his dad is his manager, and his dad's like, um, every woman wants uh, a steel touch but a warm hold. And it's like, oh, God, no. Please be a full person around other people. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah no. Um, yeah. And that being said, like every person, every person of every every sex you know and creed um should have different groups of people that they can be other aspects of themselves with now you should always be as honest as you can be but like i'm not the same way that like i am with you josh that i right. am with my wife if i was i'd probably get in trouble <laughs> uh, to say the least um i don't talk the same way that i do with my marine buddies as i do with civilians because I would end up in a mental health ward, but <laughs> you know, like there's a time and place, but also it's about, you know, an honesty factor and knowing what's appropriate. And I think it's difficult for men nowadays to understand what's appropriate anymore. There's a difference between code switching, which is what you're describing, where you highlight different aspects of your personality, depending on the group, right? That's yep. code switching. Um, and lying. Uh, I, I, I myself have been like where you meet someone new and you're just like, not speaking not honestly of yourself. Well, that, well, yeah, you're not vibing, so you, you become fake. You start like pretending to be somebody else and everything to get out of the conversation. There are people who do it all the time, and that's dangerous. Um, if you're if you're like to relate it back to interpersonal relationships, if you're a guy and you're like, I want, I want closer relationships with my like my male friends, my homies, then just talk to them about things other than the one thing you've classified the friend as. If it's your video game friend, hang out with them outside of a lobby and go get something to eat and talk about like what they're reading or watching. Yeah. And it just kind of happens. But you have to break that, break the environment you put them in. Even stop with if you're the guys that I play online video games with, I mean, we'll talk about anything from where we think Star Wars is going to politics. A lot of politics because we're all vets. Uh, <laughs> we'll talk about like mining stuff. We'll talk about history stuff or family's history stuff. We'll talk about health stuff, about like people finding spots on their balls. You know, anything, literally anything. That bless. Hey, man, you know, sometimes you just got to talk to one of your buddies and be like, hey, should I go see a doctor about this? And they'll be like, listen, if you're asking me, <laughs> sometimes you just need that positive reinforcement of like, listen, here's what I know about this topic. Here's what I think that you should do, because a lot of the past few generations of men had kind of awkward or if at all father figures. And yep. we're still kind of stumbling our way through figuring out a lot of us are becoming dads now or stepping into more mature um, positions of manhood. 
and trying to figure out, okay, how is this done? <laughs> yeah, I was lucky enough to be raised by, by my parents who were like very open to like, it's okay to cry, express yourself, whatever. Like, please don't turn into a sociopath. Like, you know, don't murder people, please. Um, There's a song you should check out, listeners, as well, um, by my mom's ex-boyfriend, who I still talk to, Mike Rowe, of the 77s, called Real Men Cry. Yeah. Great song. Um, but yeah, that's, but like a lot of my friends would be like, oh no, men, men just deal with it. It's like, oh Jesus, no, go talk to someone. Don't, <laughs> that's you're how you cause bigger issues. It's something yeah. I'm definitely still struggling with myself is pushing all that stuff down. That's not necessarily manly. Now, lashing out emotionally or doing things just emotionally can cause all kinds of, you know, detriment to your life as well. You got to find the balance, but you, you, it's, use your emotions to to do things but in environments that work that's why i write (laughs) i'm in star wars here Uh, so the jedi were all about conceal don't feel don't let it show but now they know um and that caused all kinds of bad moments the sith were all about only emotion only raw feeling of despair and anger and even if it was like, you know, positive emotions, it was just like emotions just completely unchained. Whereas the Jedi were, again, concealed, don't feel. The whole point is to find that balance because you see what happens on one end in that series if you are completely one way. And then you see on the other if you're completely the other way. Right. It backfires both ways. Well, yeah, it's like um, same thing happened in every Conan movie ever. You have to find the middle ground between fire and ice. But he knows what's best in life, so... <laughs> the, the lamentations of the woman. <laughs> Cross your enemies. See them scatter before you with the lamentations of the women. <laughs> you turned into like Steve Buscemi right there at the end. <laughs> eh, I try. So th- this will, if everything goes right, this will come out a week from recording. So I think it's okay to talk about ho- the holidays. You think? Dude, send it. All right, cool. So um, we are not constrained by the tethers. Of society, time isn't real. Let ourselves <laughs> now. Granted, uh, we we're going to be gentlemen to a degree, as much as we are capable. I'm gonna be nice, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, no, but it's been it's been weird being home because I've been I've been to Georgia in a minute. And I can tell, like you won't be able to to notice this, but we're on a Skype call right now, and Josh is looking everywhere but me right now on the Skype call. <laughs> so can, you look a little no. uncomfortable. I'm looking for the mouse. <laughs> Above you? <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know where it came he's, from. And he's going to descend on you like like fucking Tom Cruise and Mission Impossible. <laughs> I just said something, so it popped out of frame. Um, well, I have a bad habit of like when I'm thinking about where to, where to take a sentence or where I'm, what like the next point is, I'll look into space. And so on my other show, if I'm talking to a guest in person... Sometimes when I'm thinking, I'll stare at them very intently, and they're like, "Oh, what's going on?" D and D, and it freaks me out. I'm Josh's DM in the current campaign that we're running, and uh, he'll be having like an intimate conversation with me about because he's playing a nerd alert, um, a warlock character. Um, that's canon now. Yep. We have to say nerd alert whenever we go super nerd. But right. um, a warlock character who is trying to talk to his patron god. If you don't know what this is, check out Fifth Edition Five E, or uh, if you're YouTubers, check out uh, Critical Role. But anyway, so he's trying to talk to his patron god, and we're trying to have a conversation about it, and he doesn't make eye contact with me a whole lot. <laughs> it's it's not like a, I don't want to talk. It's I don't. I'm trying to think about where to go. 
with the conversation. Yeah, you're like shuffling through the filing cabinets with your eyeballs. I get it. Yeah. Um, but no, so, so being in Georgia has been interesting because like uh, uh, it's actually cold here. And that's thrown me off. I've been in Florida for almost, almost like two and a half years. And I've acclimated back to like... Hold up. It's been like 50-something here. That's weird for Floridians. Well, no, yeah. I've been shivering and stuff. I'll go to my car and I'm like, oh, it's chilly. And then I check it and it's like, it's 62 degrees. <laughs> my brother lives in Washington State and he keeps giving me crap for complaining about the cold out here. Yeah. I'll be like, listen, you live in Washington. I live in the tropics. 50 the top's 80 in Washington. Snow, I was like, I was in the snow for one training op in the Marines. That was it. That was it. that was it. We had three people go down with hypothermia. I don't like cold. <laughs> but yeah, no, the the weather's been insane. Yeah, no, and, um, so I didn't bring it. I didn't bring a coat or anything. I just completely didn't think about it. So I've been like minimally going outside if I can help it. I'm gonna turn you into a prepper. We're going to have a whole episode about preppers, by the way, because I've got survival magazines. We'll discuss what's in my house. Maybe <laughs> maybe we'll upload a video clip of the section of my garage that's dedicated to my prepper shit. MTV Cribs Prepper Edition. Mm-hmm. There it is. Um, my, my dream is to own land that has a bu- multiple bunkers on it. Nice. Um, no, I think uh, I'm not really a prepper. If I die, I die. You know what I mean? Like if well, it's not giant- just about me. Well, no, I understand that, but I'm saying, like, if there's, like, a giant asteroid coming, like, tomorrow, and they're, like, the only way to, to survive is to be in, like, a cement-lined bunker or whatever, I'd be like, I guess I'm dying. That's <laughs> the difference between you and me, and I, I hope some of that, some, some of me rubs off on you, haha, um, but in, in the <laughs> sense of, in the sense of, like, uh, survival, because um, I don't know which part of my family it is in me, but anytime something like that has happened, where it's been like, oh, you'll probably die, I've always been like, Bet. <laughs> um, no, I just think it's different if it's like the zombie apocalypse or, or like a virus, because then you can like visibly fight it in a target-rich environment. That's what I'm saying. Like, I'll do it. Like, I can, I can handle that. But if it's like, yeah, um, the sun's exploding. All right, I ain't even gonna try. I'd be like, I'm going to Disney for one last time. And I'm not paying. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Um. But no. What would, yeah, we talk- what would you do if you had two hours left on this planet? Walk me through your process. Two hours left. Um. I wouldn't hurt anyone. That's you always could- a scary answer you get from people where they're like, "I'd kill someone." It's like, Jesus, no. Um. It's not that fun, guys. Yeah. If I'm if I'm being honest with myself, I'd probably just like sit somewhere probably listen to bowie and just kind of like wait it out because like can't really drive anywhere yeah. i'm not gonna cook and <laughs> yeah. um, you? Two, you got two hours uh, i know you're gonna make fun of me for this but first of all i would i would pray for my family and for everyone else around me and everyone i cared about um Spend some time with my with my daughter. Make sure that she was comfortable. Maybe watching something or something like that. And I just spend time with my family. Maybe sneak off and do some do do stuff with my wife. And yeah. Come back. Just spend spend the last few whatever with my with my family. Yeah. Um. Well, it's like um. There was a Reddit AMA forever ago. Do you remember when Hawaii had that fake missile um 
a false missile alarm, and like they thought they were. I have some some crazy conspiracy theories about that, but yeah, I know what you're talking about. I think I was still in when that happened. Was that was that a couple years ago or like only like a year ago? I think it was like two years ago. Mm, I think I was out, mm. but but no. So like, this I remember. Like, yeah, that was right before I went on my honeymoon to um Hawaii. And we got there, and there were still like planes, like military planes and choppers flying everywhere because we we stayed at the um, the Disney Resort in Hawaii for um, our honeymoon, and um, it was it was nuts. <laughs> like there was like it's right next to um, the Pearl Harbor exhibit, and then right next to that is a naval base, right? Um, which is where I think I'm probably wrong on this. Fifth Marines is <sighs> I don't know. I don't know. You guys aren't Seventh Marine Division, so I, I don't care. Um, but anyway, or first Marine division, whatever, seventh Marine regiment. Um, but the whole point is, is like, there was constantly stuff going on. I was like, you guys are getting drilled into the ground because somebody, somebody effed up. Yeah. We can talk about what happened, but to relate back to like, what would you, what what would you do at the end of the world? This guy on Reddit was like, uh, ask me anything. I was there. And he said like him and his wife knew they weren't going to make it to the shelters with traffic and everything at that point. So they just laid in bed and like, Yeah. They laid in bed and, like, waited it out. And he was, like, it was nice. And some of the people were, like, no, you got to try to survive or whatever. And he was, like, no, I'd probably do the, in the exact same circumstance. I'd do the same thing. What is the craziest survival situation you've been in in your 20, 20 years? 20 years. Um, 20 years on this planet? On this rock hurtling through space? Yeah. We're all still trying to figure things out. And we argue over minimal things like politics and just much more important things like the next Star Wars movie. Yeah, I mean, I've had several, like, head wounds in my life, but you can't really do anything mm-hmm. at that point. It's they up to everyone lot, else. So they'll freak you out if you're by yourself. Yeah, well, it's up to everyone else with a, in a serious head wound to make you survive. It's not up to you. Yeah, in, no, because your decision-making own, skills go out the window. Oh, yeah, no. Uh, with my own agency, the when, the month I moved to Florida is when Irma came through, Irma and Harvey. Um, I was fortunate enough that it didn't, like, the worst we had, we didn't have power for, like, a week and a half, be my roommate, but... I remember... Was Harvey going, the last one, or was that Matthew? It was Irma. It was Irma, and then Harvey, and then I think Matthew... Matthew didn't reach Orlando, so it didn't reach me. There was... I think it was Matthew, but um, that was right when I had started college, I think, or or before it, but it was... Um, I still remember the, the memes of them showing the cyclone saying to Florida, all right, all right, all right. Um, yeah. But, <laughs> but no, it was... It was What was crazy about it is, like, me and my roommate... Um, Who's, who's from the same part of Georgia as I were talking about it. And he was like, Are, do you want to go home? And I was like, I just moved here. I'm not going back home. And it was raining really bad. And we were both going to bed. And he was like, I'm going to sleep in the hallway. You channeled, went, some, you channeled some Marine Corps energy right there. You were like, I just got here. I'm not running <laughs> well, away. I'm, I'm the first one in my family to go to college. <clears throat> so at my really? time, yeah, yeah, I'm a first That's generation impressive. college student. I'm, I'm very excited to drop out. I'm just kidding. Um <laughs> Don't, don't channel that bottom energy, buddy. <laughs> uh, but I was, always. When I went, when I, when I went to, I went to my room. And I shut my door, and it hit me like, oh my god, he's sleeping in the hallway, so that if it caves in, he doesn't die. And I was like, this hurricane better not shift. And then I just went to sleep. We were not prepared. We didn't have any food or anything. We had, I think, because um, I'm in Stewart, uh, Stewart, Florida. We had four tornadoes touch down right next to each other. Yeah. During that hurricane. And I was just like, huh, <laughs> whatever. Well, I, the last- eating, I was eating Cheetos at the time and sharing some with my, my three-year-old. And my, my wife was freaking out. Her 
her parents were freaking out. We're all like huddled in this little safe area that I had basically laid out for us with like fans with batteries in it and water and all that stuff. Cause I'm a prepper. I made it like this perfect little nest and everyone's freaking out and like trying to check the news and stuff like that on their phones. I'm just eating Cheetos with my kid. <laughs> well, the last hurricane, Dorian, was supposed to hit where I am in Florida. Dor- Luckily, Dorian was banana sandwich. The wind, the, yeah, the winds took it away and I don't think it hurt anybody, but uh, I was talking. Uh, it destroyed the Bahamas. Oh, the Bahamas, it did, yeah. It, it just, it just, the Bahamas. Yeah. Um, but no, cause it was supposed to come through the Bahamas and up to us. And a friend of mine called me and she was like, what are you going to do? Are you going to drive home? And I was like, I no." And they're like, well, what happens if it goes through your apartment? Cause your apartment complex doesn't have like a storm shelter. And I was like, probably <laughs> die. Nothing, yeah. There's literally nothing you can do in that scenario. Now the closest that, and this is the most I'm going to talk about it, but the closest that I could really talk about that kind of stuff is, um, I did a little stint in Haiti for, um, the cleanup relief. Um, after they got hit after that really bad storm, I think 2009, 2012. No, there was a really bad storm. I can't remember when it was. Not the 2009. There was another one. <clears throat> They're always getting hit, unfortunately. <laughs> but um, uh, I was over there right after getting back from Afghanistan, and um, like there were like down power lines in the water and all kinds of nonsense. But I remember thinking like, so in combat that we had these bunkers where you would go and hide. Um, when you were taking indirect fire, so like mortars and um, rockets and such. And there's really nothing you can do at that point. Yeah. Like once you have been given the order to go into a bunker to wait out the rocket attack or the mortar attack, if it hits and something happens, oh well. Yeah. <laughs> so we'd be in there like playing games, playing like grab ass or whatever, doing dips, sleeping. Some guys slept. But... When you were in the middle of, a, of an actual storm, or the, in our case, the aftermath of a storm, it's, for the most part, dirty. Yeah. But for the other part, it's just like, there's not much we can do. <laughs> like. Yeah. Well, I remember driving around after Irma and Harvey. I was looking for somewhere to do my laundry, because our power was still out. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, it's just, like, there's just stuff everywhere. It really um, makes you think about, like, before we had all the power and all that stuff. It's like, man, we used to do everything by hand. Yeah. Um, Thank God I was born now. <laughs> one of the most, I, see, that's where I disagree. Some of the most manly things I've ever heard about in my family, besides, like, our military background and, like, some of the stuff we did, it was illegal, um, was <laughs> we, um, we built some stuff that in D.C. Um, we had masons in my family that um, worked with marble and such. And I got to go to a couple, like, say, the Kennedy uh, Memorial. I got to go and check out the pillars there. Um, all handmade, you know, all um, basically replicas of what was done in ancient Greece and Rome. And my family had their crest on them. Right. Which is awesome. Yeah. That, 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 like, that's manly. That's American history, yeah. You, 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 well, not just American history, that you could build architecture like that. And it's not just a normal kind of architecture. So from what I understood, it was like, a grandfather started it, and then his great-grandson continued it. Like, it's something that passes down generations. When you look at things like the Sistine Chapel and stuff like that, not just the guys who painted it, I mean the guys who built it. Yeah. Like, the amount of dedication that whole families put into that kind of architecture is stuff that our generation will never understand. Yeah, um, but also, I will say sometimes, like, I'm, I'm very much of the kind of person where it's like, 
done is better than perfect. You know what I mean? Where it's like I'm a little bit of a perfectionist, so <laughs> yeah. So it's like so like okay. Talk about the Romans. The Romans or the same point, just different sides of it. Romans built roads so well that eventually they forgot how to make them because they didn't have to replace them for so long. Um, now I run a truck out with magic road liquid in it and it just pours out asphalt for me. Are <laughs> you centurions? <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah. No. For, forest. Uh, for y'all at home, we're playing D and D, and he hand painted a bunch of like figures for us to use. You get your like wooden box of handmade mo- hand painted models, and it's like each one's what like a couple hours to paint. Um, not each one. Um, they're anywhere between one twenty eighth and one thirty fifth scale. Um, I did military dioramas for for years. Um, when I first started, just because I'm a history nerd and I love that kind of stuff. So um, there's a very large fam- part of my family that escaped um, the Nazis and the Italians in World War II. And so, of course, I'm obsessed with painting Nazis to this day. Uh, <laughs> but anything does. really with uh, World War II and it, I, I was just fascinated. Um, and then it moved on to D&D. So, yeah, I, I painted some some figurines for you guys to use and I will paint many more. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the the campaign not like the what we're, what we're playing but i've what never D&D played D&D represents no no i'm talking about like our experiences with it because i've never played D before mm, okay before our first session with uh you and everybody else and mm. so i pretty much had no clue what i was I'm getting sorry into. that i'm your first experience <laughs> forest was my first that's what i'm calling this one now forest was my first <laughs> <laughs> i'm okay with it i'm okay i'm i'm not i'm not bad as things go so i'm all right with that well what was weird about it is like um because the, the whole selling point of D is that like you can do whatever um it's storytelling meets you know decision making yeah and that that was probably the best part is like how much direct strategy i was able to use is what makes it fun well it's a limitation depending on how the actual campaign is constructed so you can either go completely fifth edition or fourth edition or whatever edition of D&D you're using or you can mutate it based you know to your needs which mine is yeah um i think my favorite thing though is probably fucking up in D&D that's probably my favorite thing so far oh rolling a one yeah like um especially like when your statue is like oh you your your character's like 20 intelligence you're 20 you're 20 charisma and so you roll to charm someone, and it's like, not one. And it's like, you shit yourself. And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> so that's not always what happens. It's just in that situation sometimes. But it could be, you know, anywhere between you have a brain aneurysm or, you know, <laughs> you you pass gas when you're trying to, like, hook up with somebody or, you know, you're trying to, you know, convince this po- political figure you know, to see things your way on something that will move the story forward that you're trying to move towards, at least in the direction that your party is trying to get to. And you roll a one, and now that person thinks that you're not only lying, but a traitor. <laughs> um, like, what were we doing? Um, you had me and uh, Brandon, and you, you, Brandon's character was trying to explain something to me, but I kept rolling, like, low numbers. You <laughs> <laughs> up. So there was a spell cast in these woods that they weren't really understanding, and I was trying to basically... Oh, I was being a good DM, but I was giving them warning signs about certain things to just be aware that the area that they were in was not a normal wooded area. Um, and Brandon's character is a barbarian, so not the highest intelligence, but he notices 
that when he steps on a stick, it doesn't break. So he holds it up to Josh's character's face and breaks it in front of his face. Josh rolls a one on perception. <laughs> this goes on for a while. <laughs> it, was like, it was like a couple minutes of that. It was like, congratulations, uh, it's a stick. Um, no, that, that's, that's probably been the, the most fun out of it. it. was like, outside of the natural like reward for succeeding that every game has where you're like, I'm having fun because I'm winning, is the idea of like, you understand something, but now you have to like, now you have to roll to see if your character's allowed to do the thing you want to do. And when oh, the game's yeah. like, it's, the game's it's like, like no. like in real life. Like, here's what I want to do. And then you do something completely different. Or you do something and it doesn't turn out the way that you thought it would. And you're just like, man, the risk that I took was calculated. But boy, am I bad at math. Well, it's like instead of throwing it. It's like when you go to throw your washcloth in the shower and turn it on. And then accidentally you throw your shirt in there and turn the water on. And you're like, oh, uh. <laughs> You become a parent. You're going to, you're... My favorite is when I'm on my phone and I'm getting like a bottle ready or something like that, or I'm just getting something out of the fridge after I've had a full day with my kid. Um, and I, co- I, I, I come out with the juice still in my hand. I'm like, where's the bottle? <laughs> and it's still in the fridge. So I put the, the bottle back in the fridge full of juice, but the juice is in my hand. Or my personal favorite that I've seen my wife do many times, but I myself have done it is when you are on your phone and you're getting something out of the fridge and you get the thing out of the fridge, but you don't know where your phone is and then proceed to look for said phone for the next 10 minutes. Oh yeah. My favorite, there's a tweet where it's like, tell me why I just threw my glass of juice on my bed and put my phone to my lips. (laughs) I mean, Hey man, perception is reality, but boy, people do not have a good grasp on just... Boy, are we not paying attention? (laughs) Situational awareness. I I mean, you see it the most on the road. Like, whoever's listening to this, if you don't use turn signals... Stop listening. Yeah, you're a bad person. You're a fella. If you don't use your turn signal, you're a fella. Immediate fella. Bottom of the totem pole. You have bottom energy. Beta. (laughs) I like that we just compared... R. Kelly to people who don't use their turn signal. I bet he doesn't use a turn signal. <laughs> I would bet a hundred dollars. Yeah. Well, I mean, now he can't. He probably can't drive. So. And we come full circle. Yeah. Um. God. Uh, do you like uh, Mike Birbiglia, the stand-up comedian? Who? Mike Birbiglia, the stand-up comedian. No, I don't know who that is. Ah, he's got a new special out right now. I think it, it came out a couple days ago from recording. I watched it last night. It's um, He's talking about not wanting to be a father, but trying to have a kid with his wife. Mm. It is Okay, cool. well, is that because he wants to actually be a dad? Or is it because, like, how it... Getting a little past the G rating here, but where it's kind of like that, that dominant drive of when they're like, hey knock me up and you're just like well now it's a challenge <laughs> well there, he describes it in the reason his reasons for having a kid are pretty funny there in two there's it's two ways it's um you know he loves his wife and everyone's telling him like things won't be worse they'll just be different and he for the first time has sex without a condom <laughs> um but he finds out his um there's and, uh, this picture. Hang on. There's this picture. I'll, I'll, real fast. There's this picture 
of this girl who she's asking this guy, so, like, why don't guys like using condoms? Like, what does it feel bad? And then what describe what it feels like to me. And the guy's sitting there. And then the next picture is what he's thinking of. And it just shows this sea turtle trapped in the water with a plastic bag over its head, like screaming. <laughs> That's awful. Why? Awful, <laughs> we live in a society. <laughs> no, but he's, but Berbiglia is shooting blanks. And so then it becomes like, he's like, I'm going to get my wife pregnant. So he has like surgery and stuff and he gets his wife pregnant. And he says like, he'd forget, he goes, my wife comes to me and she says, yeah, honey, I'm pregnant. And I'm like, yes, because he had forgotten that he didn't want a kid. He's like, got one. <laughs> uh, no, but it's, it's probably. Can I tell you um, my finding out I was a father story real quick? Of course. Okay. So I think I've told you this, but it was, it was, it was a moment. So I was in the, um, I was in the infantry in the Marines um, for a while. And then I was able to fight my way up the totem pole to Marsoc. I had just gotten to it. I was like, all right, I'm going to go over there. I'm going to slam some heads. I'm going to make some real difference. You know, I'm going to be Billy, Billy badass. I come back, I come back to my wife after doing some field training. And I'm trying to tell her that I'm going to re-enlist. And she said that she would stay with me if I re-enlisted. Because initially we were high school sweethearts and she left me in some shady situations because, because I, um, enlisted while I was in the, when I was in high school, I, I enlisted when I was 17. Um, and she was not about that because her family was Quaker. She ended up coming around to it, but still. So I was like, all right, she's going to be about it. You know, I'm going to go out there and make a real difference. And with that kind of background, with the special forces background, I'm really going to make a difference and right. I'll have some real job opportunities when I get out because I was dumb and went full infantry. That's not saying that infantry guys are only dumb, but I had other opportunities. And I was like, no, I want to kick doors down because I was 17 and I was full of yeah. it. I didn't understand. but And I'm thankful for my service, but boy, howdy, could I have chosen some better decisions? Could I have uh, made more money <laughs> to start? So I'm like, all right, I've talked to Gunny. I've, I'm going to get a signing bonus. Like, I'm on fast track to staff sergeant because I was a sergeant at the time. I was like, I got this. So I'm, I'm, I come up to my wife. And I was like, I've got five years under the belt. Another five years, I'll be easy staff sergeant. Another five years on that, probably gunny. Like, I'm, I'm just nailing through these, these promotions. This is going to be easy day. <clears throat> she has a little gift for me when I get to, get to um, our little shared apartment. A little gift bag. And immediately the red flags go off in my head. Like, I'm, I'm not the brightest bull, but I'm not dumb. I, so she hands it to me. I was like, I've seen her. So, like... I know what's about to happen. Oh, we'll we'll talk about that in a second. No, you cut out. You cut out. Can you go back. Oh, I was just saying we used to watch um, Hallmark films and Pitch Perfect overseas, so I knew oh, what was. So about you to know. <laughs> she answered this little baggie. Um, and so I, I just kind of like looking at her while reaching into it, and I come back not still not making eye contact with what I pulled out of the bag. It's this little card. I was like, I swear to God, Kelly, and I look at it. And it's a blank card that's been worked on. And it's got, like, art all over it. And it's like, congratulations! <laughs> I just tried to do the Mario Kart um, congratulations. But then I open it, and it's like, you're going to be a dad! I was like, no! <laughs> no, I'm not! not for me, Give my seed back! <laughs> no, that wasn't my reaction. It's what I, I thought. I was like, oh! Um... Have you seen that Puss in Boots movie, the standalone yeah. movie? 
You know the cat in the bar that they go, oh, that was me. <laughs> it's like I knew how it was going to work. We would have intercourse, and it would it would come up during and after. I'd be yeah. like, hey, if it happens, it happens. And then I was like, oh, no, it's happened. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready. <laughs> um, in that moment, you were a guy. <laughs> I was, I was a guy. I was, I was not fella, but I was a guy. And <laughs> three years later, about a week ago, um, her mom and I are very similar, but we're both um, Leos. We're both very boisterous, very, both very sarcastic about everything. We're cleaning up after Lily when she's gone to another room and Kelly and her dad have gone to another room. We're cleaning everything up, getting ready to have a big meal at grandma and grandpa's house. <clears throat> and, she, and I turned to her and I was like, Barbie, I don't, I don't think that this is necessarily me saying that I regret having my daughter because I don't. I love her to death. Right. But do you ever wonder where you would be in life or where you would have been in life if you hadn't have had your children early? Because she had three daughters and she had them early. And she just starts laughing. <laughs> I was like, well, that's a good response so far. And she's like, honey, I think everybody does. I was like, all right, that makes me feel a little better. It's kind of like doing time with people who aren't necessarily bad people, but they also understand that you made some dumb decisions because they also made dumb decisions. Yeah. Just trying to work with what they've been handed. <laughs> well, I mean, um, I don't have it. Obviously, I'm, I'm not a father, but Brambiglia talks about, in his special where he talks about becoming a father, where he's like, everything recontextualizes, but nothing stops. And he was like, he said that was the worst part at the beginning, was like, oh God, I have to learn new rules. Uh, yeah, oh but, my God. Uh, trying to decide if this is appropriate to say. I'm going to go with no. Um, <laughs> there's some there's some rules that work for boys that don't work for girls. I I help raise my little brother and little sister growing up. Right. Um, which made me grow up way too fast. But hey, tomato tomato. Um, but when you actually have a kid, you you get to take a step back and be like, okay, here's what my parents did that I don't want to do. Right. And, and like. <clears throat> maybe a couple years down the line, of five years down the line, you'll be like, oh, that's why they did it. <laughs> so um, I, I feel like having a, a child is a level of responsibility that is also kind of your, your own personal come to Jesus moment. And not in like a finding faith, but into understanding in the grander scheme of things that you're not as important as you actually think that you are. Well, I think it's like that with, I, with almost every major life point like um when i started college i think i got like two months in and i was like oh god no this is real like i'm studying for my career You're in like, it now. Oh, yeah yeah i think that happens to everybody in most decisions when i moved out it happened um when you get your first job you there you do it for a little bit and then you're like oh no so yours was probably in like college yeah most my yeah my first like oh shit i'm in a real environment was the hurricane passed we got our groceries and stuff back to where it was and I'd gotten my first job. You've had to make a lot of these decisions on your own by then, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and so then you're like, Oh God, I'm no longer a child. But at the, at the time, if I, was, I starve, it's my fault. <laughs> yeah. I, I called a friend of mine, uh, Ryan. And I was like, I'm always going to be one month from homelessness if I'm leasing. And he was like, welcome to adulthood. And I was like, Oh God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think I think the most terrifying moment of realizing that I was 
I, I mean, I like I was saying, I had to help raise my little brother and sister, so I was already kind of an adult before I was ready for it, which probably did more damage than good. Right. But I've grown from it for sure. But and that's just an individual thing. But it wasn't. It, I'm. I'm. In, I'm sure anyone's listening is like, here comes the combat story. No, it was boot camp. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, I was I was labeled as what's known as the witch doctor. So if someone hurts something that we don't need to send them to a corpsman for, which is a uh, sort of naval medic, that was mine. Uh, the mouse came back. Oh, okay. Um, they would send them to me because I had some basic medical training because my grandfather, who ended up raising me, was a special forces medic in Vietnam, and he taught me some stuff. So I was able to do some stitching and do some basic bandaging, and I knew my way around some some medical gear. But um, I think the thing that blew my mind the most is during the crucible, which is like right before you become a Marine and graduate, which is just days of nonstop training, barely any sleep, barely any food, just to try and break you off, um, see if you have what it takes. I was in a situation in training where they basically said that every single situation was we were walking up this like hill that I was sitting there thinking, wow, this hill really reminds me of Gladiator when he's just walking through the field of wheat, you know? <laughs> yes. and I'm, like, thinking really dark thoughts, and I'm really tired and looping. I've just climbed multiple, com- like, obstacle courses, and I'm sweaty. I'm in full battle rattle, and I'm just ready to be done. And we still had a death march after this, and then another week of Marine Week before we finally got to leave and then go to school of infantry. So I was just like, this is, I'm ready for this to be over. I'm right. tired of people screaming at me. I'm tired of saying this this recruit instead of I. This is dumb. <laughs> and then an instructor who's standing there turns to me and says, everybody around you just stepped on an IED while you were looking at the map because they pushed ahead of you when they weren't paying attention and you weren't paying attention. All of them are down and you have to get them to the medivac. There were 12 full-grown, if not men, at least large teenagers in my group. <laughs> and I was 17. And I had to drag pick up and drag each and every one of them while my instructor was yelling at me how much time was happening and telling me the different injuries that were happening to them. So I had to simulate, you know, triage each one. I had to do, I had to do simulations of tourniquets and stuff like that. And halfway through, I was just like, this is going to actually happen. Like I signed up for something that's not just a possibility. It's almost a guarantee that at some point, if I keep doing this long enough, someone's going to try and actively kill me (laughs) and I am responsible for other human life. And it just blew my fucking mind. I had like a come to Jesus moment in the middle of that. And when you get to that point, not just in military, but when you realize I'm an adult, but I'm not just an adult. I'm also an adult who's responsible of other human beings. You kind of go, okay, one of two things is going to happen. (laughs) I'm either going to succeed or I'm going to die trying, or the possible third option, I'm going to run screaming in the other direction. Yeah. yeah. So they call it moments of clarity, um, where you're, you're doing something, and then you're like, oh, God, I, I now fully understand where I'm at and what's going on. Um, and when I was doing my first podcast, I you know I did a bunch of interviews, and I edited, I edited all of them, and I was like, okay, time to find a place to upload them. And then I was like, oh, my God. I have to share this and people have to listen to it and judge me. And I was like, Oh oh God. Yeah. Um, People are going to give me their opinions on things. It's going to affect how I do things in the future or worse. No one's going to say anything at all. And you're like, and I'm just going to. Luckily that didn't happen. We've got, I've got like 20 
dedicated listeners, so that's cool. That's a firm base to start with. Um, but in anything, everyone has moments of clarity. Whether you're like six hours into your 20-hour drive and you're like, oh God, there's 14 more hours of this. And I think I, I don't, I've, I've never had a moment of clarity and not been terrified, I should say. Um, so the last bit of thing that really ties back to everything that we were saying, um, men nowadays, um, especially men who are trying to be, um, proactive or, you know, stronger men, um, or what it really means to be a man, which is, I believe to be strong to some degree, stronger for others, you know, healthier, uh, a cornerstone is that you can't show fear. Um, I disagree. I think yeah, that there's a time and place now, granted giving into that is, is bad because it could affect other people but fear is natural and in fact you know it's it's a part of it's a part of your survival instincts to be afraid but it's it's as cliche as a sound it's giving into that fear which is the true weakness and it's the true battle that each and every one of us has to fight every day and find a way around and the honest truth is there is a way around it it's different for every person but yeah. there's a way, there's a way to deal with it to be to be a dude or a man to make it to make it relate strictly to our our vernacular is to do your best and not intentionally fuck something up. Exactly, not yeah. intentionally or even in, unintentionally. It's 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 to to put out as many fires as you possibly can and know at the end of the day that you did the best that you were capable. Yeah, and to strive the next day to do better. Yeah, and also maybe not pee on anybody. That's a yeah, maybe don't pee anybody. Use your turn signals. And uh, also, before we forget, Epstein didn't kill himself. Epstein did not kill himself. We'll see you guys next. Is it weekly? Next week? Well, let's do weekly. We'll do weekly, maybe. Unless we scrap this recording, too. We're going to do weekly. Okay. We might um, be doing two times a week if this gets scrapped. <laughs> but we're doing weekly. We might have to record again because this audio is going to be terrible. Well, let's see. Let's see how it, how it goes. And then if this is just a, a garbage truck mm. on fire backing down the road into a house, then so be it. Yeah. I like the energy. I like that we're kind of cool coming into the first episode. It's a very even episode. It's very laid back, which is good. But um, I just I don't know how this is going to sound. Because some of I don't know if you listen to the little guys, but you can tell the Skype episodes because they, they're so like this improvise adapt adapt overcome overcome